Coming up, today's guest went from managing user acquisition at Mile IQ to building an AI-powered growth engine that automatically creates new Facebook interest groups and Google keywords. You will discover the building blocks you need before you should advertise, what colors work the best in Facebook ads, and how they drove 26% of new purchases for Peloton bikes. All that and so much more. The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. Fanbytes.com helps you drive downloads for less than 50 cents using Snapchat influencers. They even help one of my clients drive 46 cents CPIs at scale. Learn more at fanbytes.com. For just one low monthly price, you will discover our greatest growth hacks to driving massive downloads. You can learn more on appmastersacademy.com. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of App Masters, the place you go when you want action-packed content in the app business. And today, I've got a phenomenal guest. I got to meet him through a mutual friend of ours, Kevin. What's up, Kevin? And I wanted to bring her on because she has an amazing platform that will automatically find your target audience and advertises to them on Facebook, Instagram, Google AdWords, and what you guys are most probably concerned about, UAC as well. Her name is Colette Nataf, and she's a CEO and co-founder at Lightning AI. Before she was there, she was a user acquisition manager at Mile IQ. And after the company was acquired by Microsoft, she managed the demand generation at Intercom. Colette, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Colette, let's talk about your journey because if you look on your LinkedIn, I'm like, holy cow, I told you this before we hit record. Like you went from running your own company and then moving out to the Bay Area and literally like under two years, you had your own company again. <laughs> like that's amazing. Talk to us about that journey. Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, started my first company about five years ago and I was on the East Coast in Maryland about like an hour outside of DC. So I was in a land where having your own business just meant that you were a government contractor. Wow. Uh, so what we did at Rock Creek Prep was we had a system that automatically generated curriculum plans for students who were in different math classes and also preparing for the SAT. Uh, so back then, like, I didn't even realize that I was doing anything that was like artificial intelligence or machine learning. I was just like, oh, I have this cool little tutoring company. Um, and so I was out there, I was in Maryland, and I was like, I think I could make this bigger. I think I can grow my business. Uh, and I kept asking people, like, how do I do that? So I joined small business groups, and I would meet other kind of like small business owners in Maryland. Uh, and the advice that they gave me I didn't realize at the time, but looking back on it now, I realized it was just like, it was terrible. Like people would literally tell me like, go do direct mail, like go talk to schools, like go door to door asking people if they like have students or have like children who are struggling in math. Uh, and I mean, I think it's kind of like funny now because it, like the answer is I should have just run Facebook ads. Like that would have just solved my whole problem. But, um, anyway, so I just didn't know how to make my business big. 
Uh, and I kept looking in Silicon Valley and I was like, why are all these people in San Francisco able to figure out how to make their businesses big and do all of these things and have all of this software and technology? And I'm in Maryland and like, what am I doing here? Also, it's winter. Um, so I packed up my husband and my dog and we moved from our wonderful house to a little tiny apartment in San Francisco. And really our goal here was like, how do we learn how to grow businesses and how do we learn how to do that in a way that is sustainable in a way that is profitable and how we can actually like have businesses that thrive. Um, so I was pretty fortunate that my LIQ picked me up and were willing to let me play with millions of dollars in order to learn how to answer that question. Um, but it, it was a really awesome experience to be able to just go from kind of being this founder who was like struggling with this concept of growth to really being the person who managed growth for the organization. Yeah. I mean, to talk to me about how it happened so quickly, because looking at your Crunchbase profile and you raised a little bit of money <laughs> for Lightning AI yeah. as well. So tell me if there's anything false here, but I'm just basing it on the, the web and what I'm finding here. But like, how are you able to go from Mal IQ and then quickly to Intercom and then now mm -hmm. you have your own company, you raise you know some money? Like how did you go that quickly? Because I think a lot of people have that dream and yeah. come out to the barrier and like this is what I want to do, but Colette, you actually did it. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I think right away like I came into my LIQ and I said, you know, I'm gonna <laughs> run ads here and they believed that I could do that. So thank yeah. you very much to <laughs> Nat Robinson, the CMO, for giving me that opportunity. Um and I mean really when I started there, they were looking for somebody who could do kind of a bunch of things. So my degree is in math. I worked in finance uh right out of college before I started my first company. Um and so they were like, oh this is all great. You can do not just marketing, but also you can do like finance and you can do kind of a bit of analytic work and you can do like some experiment testing. And I remember it was my first week and uh, it was like 5.30 on whatever day. And I got pulled into a meeting and it was with like me, the CMO, the CEO and the COO. And I was just looking around and I was like, how did I get here? <laughs> um, but it, I mean, it was, it, it's so much about the people who you're around and the people who are able to not only like understand your own potential as like a future employee because I think that they saw a lot more in me than I even knew that I had to give awesome. um and that was such a great experience to be able to work with them and kind of go through that um I was number 19 so I think also like just being at a company that had a business had like a solid product and um really had just raised money to advertise um, helped kind of make that picture possible uh, in ways that like if I'd worked for a company that maybe hadn't had as much of a developed product, it would have been a lot harder. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I was there for, uh, for like three months and they kept trying to hire a director um, above me and I just kept getting better. <laughs> and so I think like, Six months in, um, I had a team and I was able to hire people to, uh, to run ads and it, it, I mean, it was just, it was awesome to be able to like actually work really hard and get the fruits of the labor, of my labor back. Um, and so, I mean, I think that experience just taught me like what it means to work for a company who is really going to value you as an employee mm -hmm. and what that feels like. Um, so 
that was really cool. Um, we got acquired by Microsoft, and then I was like, well, I really like my paycheck now, but this is not why I moved 3,000 miles across the country um, to come and work for just this big conglomerate. So I started looking for other opportunities. And I mean, by that point, I was probably going to like every mobile event that I could find. Um, and I ended up meeting uh, one of our current advisors, Andy Arts from Social Capital. Uh, he's a partner there. And it was like, hey, I'm kind of looking for a new thing. I want to keep doing this startup experience. Like I want to learn as much as possible. Uh, and I want to do something that's different because I want to make sure that the skills I'm learning in mobile are going to be transferable to something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was like, okay, well, I have a whole portfolio of companies who are all looking for directors of growth. <laughs> Which one would you like? <laughs> um, and uh, so ended up kind of stumbling into Intercom, um, led demand gen there. And really like what I saw as soon as I got there was like, all of the same problems and struggles that I faced at my LIQ and mobile and like all of the things that were hard for me there were the same struggles that I was having at a B2B SaaS company. And I was basically like, I I would literally talk to my husband and I would come home and I was like, Hey, everyone is having this problem. Like these two companies could not be more different. And if both of them have the same pain points, Mm -hmm. this must be everywhere. Um, so we started talking to a bunch of different marketing managers and we were like, what is the hard part of your job? And, uh, really the things that kept coming up are like, it's hard for me to know who my audience is. It's hard for me to get sustainable growth. And it's hard for me to have consistent growth over time because like, there's just so many external factors that go into making decisions. And it's just really hard to do that as a person. Right. Um, so I mean, intercom, (laughs) I just raised another $125 million. The thing that uh, they're really good at is fundraising um, and is, I think, pretty fortunate to have gotten a lot of connections through that just in a short period of time. Um, And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I was only there for six months. And then we built our product, the first iteration of it, in three months. uh, We just got up and running as fast as possible. That's amazing. Like, what? how did you get into, like, just... So you saw the need, like mm-hmm. what, what happens next? Like, how were you, did you look for raising money right away or did you build the product? Like what, what happens next? No. Yeah. I, um, so I was like, meanwhile, I was getting recruited by Facebook and I was like, I'm not going to go work for Facebook. I literally just left my job at Microsoft. So I'm like, not going to go work at a giant company. Um, but I managed to translate that into a consulting job. Um, and so I was like, okay, I've got like a little bit of money coming in and I'm going to kind of bootstrap it using that consulting money. Um, and so I, I left my job at intercom was making like, I don't know, three grand a month in consulting. And I was like, I'm doing it. Um, <laughs> also thanks my like you acquisition for kind of being my seed, my seed, my pre-seed money. Um, so, uh, I, I have a degree in math and I knew enough about coding that I could actually like just build the first iteration of the product myself. Wow. Um, and so I just like hopped into it. I literally quit my job on like a Friday and on Monday I was like, I am coding all the time now. Um, so it, it was like, I think it was a pretty scary initial like month and a half. Um, but I mean, I was, I think lucky as well that I had those connections at Facebook. I could just kind of rely on them and be like, okay, I'm ready for some more clients now. Um, and they actually sent us our first three customers, which was awesome because they were all spending like millions of dollars a year on marketing. And I don't think most people would be able to have gotten those as their first customers, um, with their company. Uh, 
and the people were also like really chill. So I was like, Hey, I've got this uh, product. The front end is in black and white. There's four buttons on it. And they were like, great job. You did it. (laughs) (laughs) That's Um, amazing. So you built that first product all by yourself. Yep. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I don't know if you, you were like planning this, but it seemed like some evil genius plan. You're like, Hey, I'm going to, you know, I've got this consulting gig with Facebook. They're going to be the perfect <laughs> people to lead into this new thing that I'm working on. But like, that's so brilliant. And I, I know like the universe kind of just put it all together and came together. That's really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was great. Um, and what was awesome was I would like talk to the people I was consulting with. And I mean, we became friends as I think every consultant does with their companies. And I was talking to them and I was like, Hey, I'm kind of building out this product. Like, what do you guys think? And they could be my user testers. Um, and I remember I was talking to one of them and he was like, Oh, just like send me over your code. I'll just run it on my own computer. Like if we can't figure out how to build it in a product, it's still going to be fine. You're doing a great job. And I was just like, you're so nice right now. Um, obviously I did not send anyone my code. That would have been a little scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know what you're trying to do. <laughs> that is amazing. I love it. You know, you're solving a great problem here. Cause you know, it is that like, I talked to a lot of some of my bigger clients too, who are just saying the exact pain points that you just said, Hey, you know, I found something that works, but it just doesn't sustain growth. And I think that's the thing that you hit on when you're talking to like some of the bigger guys who are spending a good amount of money. It's just like, there's no sustained growth. It's just, you find something and then you Mm -hmm. tap it out and then you move on to the next thing. Yeah. I mean, that's what growth hacking is, right? Like that's what we've been taught is the right methodology. Right. So like, talk to me about this. Like when you're, did you just focus more on the Facebook side of things when you're first getting going? Like, Hey, I'm going to help solve Facebook Mm -hmm. and then grow the audience. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, originally I was like, okay, I'm just going to be a Facebook bidding platform. And, um, my original plan was to optimize towards uh, return on ad spend and actually build out LTV projections for these companies. Wow, okay. Um, and so it was like, okay, I'm going to connect to your like real database and we're going to get data for like more than 28 days. Uh, and we're going to be able to do all of these things and that'll be really great. Um, and so I think my original customers were like super excited about that. Um, they were all kind of consumer subscription models. Uh, and so I think like mobile in particular is really far ahead of the curve when it comes to talking and thinking about LTV predictions, but other people are just not as much. Um, And so I think they're really excited about the opportunity to uh, work towards that. Um, And so it's like, okay, I've got my bidding model, like I'm good to go. Uh, And then what I found kept happening over and over again is that like groups would perform really well for like a day, for Mm -hmm. like a week. Uh, and we just kept having these inconsistencies over time. Um, and so it was like, okay, the problem here isn't, it's not my bid. The problem is actually like that I'm showing ads to an audience that audience is getting bored or like I found the people within the audience who are actually going to buy. And now I need to find more groups. Yeah. Uh, and that was harder. That was a harder problem to solve. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I bet. (laughs) how long i'm always curious because you know when you hear the story you're like oh you know i had this problem and i did that and then i later found how long was that process from building out the building bidding Mm -hmm. platform and then finding out you know what there's this other problem that's you know a lot harder but way more interesting 
Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I mean, I built out the the bidding platform and it did a little bit of ad optimization as well. Um, that was in three months and then probably another like three months of testing. And then I was like, okay, I see what the, <laughs> I see where the real, I see where the real money is. Um, and that was when I, that was when I started to hire a team. Got it. Love it. So the, the thing that I want to move on to next is if I wanted to get started with lightning AI, do I need to know a little bit about my interest group? Should I be running ads already? Like who's the, uh-huh. how do we yeah. best leverage it? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, we do need a minimum kind of number of events that we're seeing on Facebook per day in order to make any optimization decisions. Uh, and I think kind of anyone running with Facebook will probably tell you that. Um, so we need to get five purchases or like leads or whatever you want to optimize towards. We need five of those things per day. Uh, so probably you're already running Facebook ads. Um, typically the people who are going to pay us money for something are also like the people who are starting to do kind of Facebook best practices on their own anyway. Um, and we have small companies who talk to us and we're just like, honestly, you should just do some of this on your own first just to learn what it is. Uh, and I mean, I think kind of Facebook best practices are like use broad audiences, build out your lookalikes, build out a few ads. And just kind of see what happens. And I mean, I tell small businesses all the time, just like do that on your own. Like you don't need an agency for it. You're going to have like two campaigns. You just need to log in like once a day. It really is something that you can do on your own when you're getting started. Uh, So then when we come in, it's like, okay, I've got my broad audiences. I'm spending some money. I'm getting my five purchases a day. And now what? Um, So we don't have necessarily like kind of a minimum spend level that we typically work with. It's really all over the board. Um, but we, we do have people who are getting that feedback cycle of like quick purchases normally. Um, and also just getting purchases at all tracking. And what I want to talk about too, because I hear about this pedalon, pedal, pedal, I knew I was going to butcher it. (laughs) Maybe it's that like, you're going to butcher this, Steve, (laughs) the Peloton bike, you see it everywhere. How are you guys able to help them? Yeah, absolutely. So um, they came to us pre-unicorn. And so I like to um, joke that I was the the cause, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I mean, like, so the reasons why Peloton is so successful is like, one, they have a product that has built-in virality. So like people like to talk about the fact that they did all of like whatever miles or number of classes or like hours like spinning on their bike. That's like a fun thing to talk about. Uh, and so people like to brag about it a lot. Uh, the second reason that they're able to be super successful, I think is like their target audience lines up really well with people who are on Facebook. Um, so people who are likely to buy Peloton are people who have money. (laughs) It's a pretty expensive bike. And those people tend to be older, uh, and Facebook as it becomes just like a platform for people who are just literally older in life. Um, I think that has been something that that helped them a lot on that channel. Uh, and then really they came to us originally for bidding. They were just like, bidding is hard. We have a long sales cycle, go fix it. Um, and so we were able to, to make a lot of improvement there kind of right away. Uh, and then the next reason they, they stayed with us was like, they just wanted to find more and more people. Um, there's only so many people you can find with a lookalike audience. And so we were able to, um, figure out who was in their target audience. Um, and so kind of to get that original like idea for it, uh, we just used audience insights on Facebook, uh, which 
I tell everyone, like, if you have audiences you've uploaded to Facebook, please go there now before they try and take that feature away. Um, so uh, we just used Audience Insights. And we were like, okay, here we're building up a buyer persona. It looks like kind of these are the target groups. These are the things that they're interested in. Um, and we were able to feed that into our system. So it might be like people who buy Peloton are really interested in SoulCycle. Uh, what we do from there is we um, figure out like, okay, if you're interested in SoulCycle, you probably have all of these other things you're interested in too. Um, and so we were able to create those ad sets within a campaign in Facebook. We tested a whole bunch of them really rapidly. Uh, and I think the, the final number was like 1,200 audiences in seven weeks or something close to that um, in our case study. So it was really it was really cool to be able to figure out like who is your audience exactly and who, what are they interested in really? And not just like, oh, my audience is women who live in cities, but actually like, oh, my audience is, and I'm not going to reveal who Peloton's audience really is, but it's right. like, oh, my audience is interested in sunsets at the beach and reading books or something, whatever it is. So um, I think that was a really cool experience for them. And it was also for, for us, kind of one of our one of our first uh, challenges that we were able to solve with our with our algorithm, so that was really fun. Were you able to help with any of the creatives at all? Uh, for Peloton, we didn't touch that. Okay. Um, yeah, no, they so, have like a whole brand person. One of their co-founders is their VP of marketing. I was like, I'm not touching your ads. <laughs> <laughs> Are you guys able to help with some of the ad copy too? Because you have so much data on our target audience mm -hmm. so you're like hey you know you might want to try this type of messaging yeah so we're pretty good at images at this point um and uh ad copy we found is harder i think it's because people just have like a, a much lower signal from copy than from images at all um in general for images like there are just a few things that will always make your ads better on facebook like one is like you want something with high contrasting colors uh and the second one is that you always want something that points towards the call to action button. So um, on Facebook, uh, that's actually like down and to the right, which is kind of the opposite of what we normally think. So we're like, up and to the left is my graph. But actually, no, down and to the right is your call to action button. Um, so we found that that definitely helps. Uh, and otherwise, I mean, I think we have such a variety of products, it's pretty hard for us to know like, oh, this ad is going to outperform this other one. Um, but usually we're I would say we're getting we're getting better as humans of recognizing it, um, and the we'll see about how we can teach a computer to be able to make those same understandings. And when you say high contrasting colors, are you talking like like the Lightning AI logo where you have black and a really bright turquoise <laughs> type of color? Is, it, is that is that what you There's mean? Definitely a reason we chose that. <laughs> <laughs> I pick up on everything, Clay. You can't get anything past me. I know, right? I'm giving away all my secrets here. Yeah, when you're picking your logo, try and find bright colors. Um, you know, we worked with this one company that had, like, very, very strong brand guidelines. And it just happened that their two colors were, like, yellow and navy blue. Mm. And I was like, cool, this is great. You guys are just going to crush it with ads. You just need to put these colors together. And their brand marketers just looked at me, and they were like, we can't put those together. It's going to be so ugly. And I was like, and that's how you make ads. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's the secret. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. And I love the colors. Like I said, I before we hit record, I, I love the little the little things on your website. You guys have done a really, really good job of as well. So Colette, like let's what's been the toughest part? Because when I look at, you know, some of your background, you 
worked at my like cube just crushed it and then now you have this startup of your own and you're crushing it there you've got employees you know you've raised money like what's been the hardest part because from the outsider's perspective like yo colette got it easy <laughs> yeah i mean i think um I, I mean i think i have founder struggles and every founder will probably tell you a lot of the similar a lot of similar things um i mean definitely my background is is more skewed towards marketing and analytics and um I, so i think it's been it, it's been hard to work with people who are a lot more product focused mm. um i think it's been difficult for me definitely to have experiences working with employees where i'm like but i know that i can make like a terrible version of this thing in like 20 minutes and why is it taking you like two months um, and so I think that that that's always hard of like understanding how to convey messaging to your employees of like, what are the things that you can kind of get away with in a startup that like you couldn't in like an enterprise company or, um, like what are the kind of cuts and choices that you have to make just on a daily basis of like, this is a thing that's going to make us money and will be impactful for our business versus like, here's a thing that would be really fun and probably make us more money like in five years and what is like the right choice of prioritization understanding not only like how I can make those decisions but how I can empower my employees to be able to make similar decisions that I would I love it on that point when something I wanted to reference back you said mile IQ you were set up for growth like a lot of Mm -hmm. people you were working with some of your bosses they were they're helping you grow how have you done that specifically with your company your own company now yeah, I mean, I don't think that we are ready for growth yet. Um, we're running just like retargeting ads and that's all. Uh, we're not at a growth stage. We're definitely still like figuring out what is our perfect product that we're going to sell. Um, so, I mean, I think kind of for where we are right now, I mean, one, like I hired an awesome salesperson who everyone's friends with. So like <laughs> <laughs> definitely if you have a B2B SaaS company, I would do that too. Um, it's his Aussie but- accent. Oh my God, it is. People, somebody I was talking to the other day and he was like, your salesperson is just so charming. He's like, that's how he gets you. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think like that, that's really important, especially early on for, for a B2B company. I think for, for B2C, it's really different. Um, I think B2C, like you have to be at that growth stage just faster and you have to be willing to make those sacrifices kind of earlier on. Um, if I were a B2C company, I would have started selling my product that I first had after three months. And I mean, I, I did that, like I was selling my product, but it's different when you're selling it to like five people versus like 500 or like 5,000. Um, and I think there's a lot of fear and anxiety about taking this thing that you've created and putting it live in the world and just seeing what happens. But like, you just have to, um, you have to all the time. And I think that's like a really scary moment. Um, so, I mean, in general kind of things that help people get ready for, for growth, um, and things that we're working on doing now are like making sure you have some kind of organic strategy. So like making sure you have content and are interesting, (laughs) um, making sure that your SEO is in place, making sure that your website actually is like meaningful and, and just doing as much user testing as you can with kind of everyone and anyone who's around to make sure that your messaging is clear and that your target audience or who you think your target audience is, is actually going to understand what you're selling and what you're doing and why that makes a difference to them. Um, so, I mean, I think that those are kind of the, the first things, 
Um, and then really the next part is like, how do you make sure that you have a product that is actually scalable and is not going to break if you like get an extra few users? Um, I remember one time at my like, so we got acquired by Microsoft. And so I literally spent the next four months trying to send one email out to like all Microsoft users. And I was like, this is going to be the worst thing that I do because I have to deal with all this bureaucracy, but it's also going to be like the best ROI that we could ever have. So we're just going to email like this massive audience of people. Yeah. Uh, and so it's like, okay, we're ready. We're going to do this. Uh, and then we had to make all of these like projections and we were like, well, we could basically get anywhere from like zero customers to like millions. Uh, and that was like, I think that was a really scary moment because we were like, we were still very much a startup and I was like, we, you know, just have like 1 million users now. Like, what if we got another like four going <laughs> to happen to our product? Um, and so, I mean, it's about like taking calculated risks, but I think that, you know, most of the time you're probably not sending out an email to like millions and millions of people. Most of the time you're starting slow and you're starting with advertising and advertising is great because it's like, it's a super controlled way of testing the waters of making sure that what you're doing is going to be successful before you start pouring a lot of money into it. Yeah, I love it. The the last thing I wanted to kind of mention too, a couple of different things. So I'll mention that you've done a phenomenal job. I think too many times when I see people doing AI powered like stuff, they get so technical in their verbiage. And I love yeah. the, the messaging, the AI that automatically, because you, you have your automatic growth engine, the AI that automatically creates new Facebook interest groups and Google keywords. Getting that specific, I think makes a huge difference in getting mm -hmm. the user to understand what it is that you do, because AI can mean anything. So great job. Yeah, absolutely. And then the thing that I want to end with too is, you know, we, you kind of mentioned this, but like sometimes you're just not ready. Company's not ready for growth, mm -hmm. not ready to acquire users. What are some of those building blocks that you need to have in place before you start considering advertising and really, you know, turning on the engine? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, um, right away, like I think kind of five conversions a day is like the benchmark for you're ready to run ads or you're just like not. Um, and uh, those conversions could be, could be anything. So if you're just starting, like that could be basically like five people clicking on a button on your homepage, um, or it might be five people actually purchasing, but you kind of, you need to have enough of a signal that like Facebook and Google that are, that are running their own AI systems on top of whatever you're seeing on the ad platform, um, that they just have enough of a signal that they can actually like use that information and, and create a buyer persona for you. Um, especially now with UAC, you just like you, you have to be able to have something coming through in order for those platforms to get like any data. Um, so, I mean, I think like that's one, uh, and two, I mean, like you have to be at a place where you can kind of say to yourself, like, I'm going to spend a thousand dollars and I'm going to learn. And I think like that can feel like a really, really big number for startups who are like never done advertising before. Um, and I think Facebook and Google both kind of do, a good job of telling people like, oh, just spend $10 a day and like see what happens. But the truth is that you're not going to have enough of a signal where if you spend $10 a day, you're really going to get anything. Um, I mean, like my business now, we spend $25 a day, but it's just retargeting. So it's just people who have come to our business right now. And if we were going to think about like doing new user acquisition through advertising, like that's probably going to be like a $5,000 experiment. Um, and so 
I'm not personally ready for that now because I'm terrified, which is so funny because I tell people all the time, like, you can't be scared. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know, when it's zero money, like a, well, that, yeah. that's a, that's a big number and that's, that, that can be a really scary amount. Um, so, I mean, I think you just have to be okay with that. Um, and really know that at the end of it, you might not have anything and know that you're in a place financially and at, with your business where like, you're not going to break and fall apart if you sink $5,000 into Facebook ads and you come back and you're like, oh, it looks like my conversion rate is actually really bad from checkout to purchase, so I need to go fix that problem. Um, and I think Facebook can do a great job, and Google as well, uh, just advertising in general, can do a really good job of showing you like where those holes are in your funnel, and but they can't tell you how to fix them. Uh, so sometimes people will say all the time, like, oh, we served this ad to like 99 people, and one of them purchased. And I'll be like, wow, that's amazing. Great job. Like, you did it. You figured it out. And they're like, no, but we're still spending money on those other 99. I'm like, yeah, you just have to. Like, that's just kind of part of life. Like, you have to be able to figure out who your audience is. And you're never going to find an audience that's going to have, like, just such a high conversion rate that it's going to be the difference between you spending money only on your purchasers and you spending money on other people as well. Um and so I think like those things can all be really challenging, especially in the beginning where you're just like, looking, where you're looking at every dollar and you're like, I'm going to sing $5,000 into Facebook ads and I might just find out that my funnel sucks, but it's like, you just have to. Right. I love it. No better way. And than that, Clint, this has been absolutely amazing. But before I hit my big, that's horrible. Before we hit the big finish, I want to thank my my sponsor for the episode, fanbytes.com. Look, guys, if you're looking to work with Snapchat influencers and ready to scale up, go check them out. We sent a client over there and they are absolutely crushing it for them. And what I love about Snapchat versus what I used to tout musically is that the swipe up feature. I think that makes a huge difference. And with Instagram kind of blowing up, I think Snapchat is now becoming underpriced. It's not as hot as it once was. So it's a really great platform if you're looking to grow downloads at scale using their influencers, Fanbyte's influencer network, which they've got a ton of influencers and they work some amazing, amazing brands from productivity to games to new social networks. So if you're really looking to leverage Snapchat and their influencers, go check them out. It is fanbytes, B-Y-T-E-S.com. Colette, this has been absolutely amazing, but let's go to the big finish. What is one app? We definitely <laughs> have to check out. So I just downloaded this app like two days ago and I think I'm behind the curve here, but it's the skim and I'm literally obsessed with it. I used to get like wall street journal updates in my, uh, uh, in my messenger on Facebook. And I was like, this is so great. I know everything. I knew nothing. This is great. <laughs> and I think to my calendar, it tells me all the stuff that's coming up. I'm like, I'm so cool. I know literally everything in the world. <laughs> that's awesome. What is the <laughs> one lesson that you want the audience to take away from this interview? Yeah, I think it, don't be scared about trying new things. And the website is lightningai.com. Colette, if you want to, you want to send the users, if they want to follow up with you and say, thank you for coming on, do you want to send them anywhere else? Yes, you can visit me on Twitter. I am at Colette Nataf. Uh, and feel free to message me anytime. So all that is linked up in your favorite podcast app as you're listening to this. Colette's name is linked up to her Twitter. Lightning AI is obviously linked up to their website. Go check them out. Phenomenal, phenomenal success. Colette, congratulations on everything. And thank you so much for coming on and doing this. 
Thank you. It's been fun. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you at the next chat. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.